If you are new with us, it is so good to have you. My name is, is Greg McKinney. Uh, my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, uh, and I am honored to have you. If you uh, haven't filled out that little card, I would love for you to think about doing it, all right? Uh, it's a great way for you to get connected with us. And uh, even some of you step out into a uh, serve team. But like I said, this morning, uh, it's, it's this awkward transition in the story of David um, that many of us are not ready for. Um, in fact, if I could just, I decided that I was going to be vulnerable earlier or later on in the message, but I'll decide to just hit it for you. I knew already that we are talking about victory, celebration this Sunday. And anyone ever like just not ready to celebrate Anyone ever? Uh, like, uh, you're going to a birthday party, and you just don't really feel like going to a birthday party? You love the person. You're excited to celebrate their birth, but you're, like, just not ready to be peppy. Anyone been there? Like, am I just the only one? So I was, I was coming forward to this Sunday already knowing that this will be a celebratory psalm. And I was just like, God, I'm not feeling it. Like, what is going on? I'm not ready to, I don't feel ready to praise. And that just sounds so weird and messed up. And I really had to deal with my heart. Like, God, what is going on? And so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm, I'm reading into the psalm that we're going to dive into, spending time in the story of, of David, and I just felt so disconnected. And then on Friday, just Thursday and Friday, something shifted. And I realized, like, it's not if there's something to celebrate that gives me reason and meaning to celebrate. It's the fact that God is that I can step in and celebrate. And so that's a hard thing to do. But as we get into this, like, there are key things that David celebrated. But there was a whole lot that he just had to celebrate through things. Anyone ever feel that way? I'm just going to need to celebrate. I need to praise God through this. Like, it's not much I want to praise God for right now in this, but I need to praise him through this. And so that's really the attitude that we're approaching the scripture in this morning. There are things that he praised God for, but there is a lot of the for that was more like a through. I need to praise you through this. And so uh, we're going to open up. I mean, we'll be back and going back and forth between the book of the Psalms. We're in Psalm 118, and then we'll be in 2 Samuel chapter 6, or 5, 6, and 7. All right, we're going to be, whoo, it'll be a lot. But I'm excited for this. So to give you a little preface of what's going on, uh, we've tracked through David's life for a while now. A lot of things have been going. I mean, if you've been with us, uh, David was anointed king, right? Uh, but not yet king. Then he, he slung a rock and killed a giant and then made his name known. Soon after that, he was hated by the one who was king, chased and pursued. And now we are in a place landing in this beautiful section where uh, he is called king of Judah, which is one of the tribes. And he's called king of Judah. We'll get in that at 2 Samuel chapter 5. And then he he will be able to reclaim Jerusalem for the Lord. He's celebrating, and then there's this awkward pause, and then he becomes king of Israel, and then he brings the ark back. All really positive things. But what I think, and I, as we get into this, there's a season of victory. Um, but what I love is that David teaches us, not only will the psalm show us how we to respond, but David teaches us that the season of victory may be a little bit more gradual than we think. 
And that's what I, I, I'm excited to dive into, that uh, we have, many of us, a calling. You've been called to do something. You've been called to be something. He's called you a child of God. And we often think very linearly. Like we think very um, momentarily that there will be this moment at when I step into that. Anyone ever feel that way? Well, the moment will never come if you keep thinking that. There will be this moment when I can stand and be confident with God. And, And victory doesn't work like that. We see in David's life, there's not just this moment that called him a king, because then he would have been king at the age of, you know, 15 when he was anointed. But there's these, all these tiny little gradual moments of victory that were very incremental. They were very uh, uh, added on to each other, and we often discount it. We discount the victory of the Lord because we expect it to be big, and the Lord's like, no, I've been building it big. And you're discounting it. Season of victory is way more gradual than we think. And honestly, we never step into it. And so, for instance, did you know that as a church, we're in a season of victory right now? We don't want to call it that. It doesn't feel like that. Right now, we're in a season of victory. Did you know that for um, six months, our church raised some money somehow finally got a building. The, the thing, we, we have moved out of, of some of these like awkward, where's our home? We've cast this vision of being where we want to be. There, the Lord keeps showing up. And in this awkward in-between, we look at the in-between and, and claim no victory. But the Lord has been victorious. Do you know that there's been marriages that have gained uh, clarity and freedom over this past year? There's victory. Uh, Do you know there's addictions that have slowly been wiped away in this church? There's victory. Did you know that constantly people are praying and receiving healing? There was a healing in my small group a couple weeks ago. There's victory. Did you know that people are experiencing the love of God for the first time? There's victory. But we don't see that because we're looking for the big thing, right? We don't see that because we're looking for the big thing. The season of victory is way more gradual than we originally think, and we keep waiting for the big thing, and we never praise him for the things, and we miss it. And so, like, how dare I sit on Monday and Tuesday in a space that the Lord has given to us, that I've cried about, that I'm just like, God, where are you at? How can this be where we, we sit and serve on Wednesday with a lot of people and it's stressful and sometimes they yell at us and we serve them food and how dare I say I'm not excited to praise you because of all the things you're doing, all the things you're allowing us to be a part of. I sat and I had an awesome conversation. I don't stay up late, but my whole family stayed till like, what, 10.30 at our small group, uh, like the house of the, the person who hosts it. Like, that's not me. But we walked away and we were like, that was a good conversation. How dare I say I'm not ready to celebrate? And so we, we have to get into this mindset that it's more incremental. And so in this, um, this is the responses that, that David brings. He writes uh, a beautiful psalm. Maybe you know it. Maybe it'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll come, you know, in pieces of it. It's Psalm 118. And many believe that he wrote it in this season of him stepping into being called king. 
whether it was the moment he became king of Israel or the very beginning where he became king of Judah. But many people think this is it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it, and it's a praise. It is a celebration, and you will see uh, David will respond to each of these victories with an increasing celebration. Soon he's like, hey, we can triumphantly do this. And then at the last one, he's walking into Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant, dancing, stripping off his, his king clothes. Like, so there's this increasing celebration that David is doing as these victories come out. And so he says this in verse 1 of Psalm 8, 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. A couple months ago, this was the theme verse uh, for my family. And we taught our kids a little song so they can memorize it. We have four little ones. And it was, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And so if you were to ask any of our kids, if you just started, give thanks, they would finish it. They know this. So so, this was sung. And then he says, let Israel say, his love endures forever. Maybe your, your translation say his mercy endures forever or his loving kindness endures forever. It says, let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Hey, let those, all of those who fear say his love endures forever because out of my distress, I've called on the Lord and he's answered me. The Lord is on my side and I will not fear. What can man do? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I will look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord to trust than to trust in man. Maybe your translation says, than to put confidence in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. You see, we're going to keep reading, but one thing you will notice is uh, this psalm, obviously not supposed to be talked out, it's supposed to be sung out, has these groupings of three every time. Like every little little stanza has a groupings of three. And this one, uh, it's, it's, hey, let them know his steadfast love endures forever. It endures forever. It endures forever. Let all increasingly say it endures forever. And there's a grouping of three in almost every stanza. And it has those three sentences, statements. And I just... I want to pause here because celebration, if, if I could tell you, if you want to write this down, here's a good note of what true celebration is. Celebration is and will always be giving the steadfast love of the Lord the credit it deserves. And honestly, when I'm not wanting to celebrate, it's because I'm not giving God's mercy the credit it deserves. Think about that. Like that, ooh, that's a little humbling. When I don't feel on a Tuesday morning like celebrating, it's because I'm not giving the mercy that the Father has shown me the credit it deserves. Because if I actually sat and thought of all the times that he has not given me what I deserve, <laughs> that he has brought me through, that he has pulled me into, that he is, he's brought me into a spacious place, the psalmist will say in a minute, then I cannot help but praise And these are the moments that we miss out on when we keep looking. In fact, when we keep pointing. Uh, If you want to take a note with this idea of credit, like where I place my credit, like where we place the credit will always determine how we will walk in the season of victory. Whether we walk with our heads down and we don't see the victory, but where I place the credit of what's happening. I mean, very practically, if I think the credit is all mine, if I think that, that these small things I did on my own doing, am I, by my own accord, then I will not be saying, hey, 
God's mercy endures forever. Look at what he's did. I did this and he brought me through that. I was experiencing this and he did that. That's the word of the psalmist. I was here and he brought me there. I was over here and the Lord did this. He's constantly placing the credit to the Lord. And I I just don't think I give God the credit he deserves. Like, I don't think I give God the credit for my marriage. Like, I don't think I give God the credit for the life that we have. Like, I don't think I give him the credit. But how I do, where I place it, will determine how well I'm walking. Because there's small victories that are, yes, like domino effects onto these greater things. But if I'm not walking and giving him the credit in the little, then I will miss out. So I wrote a few things down. Uh, I want you to think about this. Like, we are quicker, some of you more so than others. Uh, I play in one of this too. We are quicker to compare than we are to celebrate. Like, sit in that. You are quicker to compare than you are to celebrate. And so something happens. David gets called Judah, the king of Judah. And he's like but there are 11 other tribes. Like, why am I not the king of them? He could compare what he has with what he doesn't have. Can we be honest? Like, you do that, but uh, we are quicker to compare than we are to celebrate. Uh, And we do that all the time. We are quicker, another one, to complain than to celebrate. Anyone else? I complain. We are way quicker to have a voice of complaint than a voice of praise. Way quicker. But we're placing the credit then on what isn't happening. We're placing the credit then on what isn't as we wish. Like we're giving credit then to all that isn't. Instead of the credit is his. The credit is his. Another one I wrote down is I, I, I will say I am quicker to criticize than to celebrate. Anyone else? Quicker to criticize than to celebrate. The one thing I see about David, he doesn't compare. I've never, we never see him criticize until later when he gets a little critical in his older age and and, in Absalom and he becomes a, becomes an adult dad of adult kids and it's just a lot going on. But we see him in these earlier ages, uh, days, he's never quick. He's never quick to complain. He's so much quicker to celebrate. And I think that is why he could keep moving forward in victory. And we then just say, oh, David was just David. But honestly, he took every small thing and turned it as praise to the Lord. And I think I need to learn that. And so in each word, it continues. And so we're going to keep reading the Psalm 118 because he continues in verse 10. He says, hey, all nations surrounded me. And right now I could criticize. I could complain. But in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me. That issue surrounded me. It was on every side, but the credit is the Lord's. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. And it keeps going. They surrounded me like bees a third time. They went out like fire among thorns, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard. Some of you need to claim things as they are. That season was bad. I felt like I was falling, but the Lord helped me. You see, a complaint sits I uh, felt like I was falling, and I did. And just no one picked me up. And just no one was there. And we can sit in that complaint, but he brings the credit back, the 
I recount the days, the deeds of the Lord. And so verse 14, it continues. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Here's the three again. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. If you are struggling to see the hand of the Lord, start talking about the hand of the Lord. Like, honestly, start talking about the things of the Lord. Or you're going to keep noticing what he's, quote-unquote, not doing for you. You're comparing. we got to celebrate. The hand of the Lord does valiantly. He says, I shall not die, but I will live, and I will recount the deeds of the Lord. And then the last little section we're going to read, it says, I thank you. That you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And this is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Many of you have heard that last one. You never knew it was in the section of, of Psalm 118 when David had to go through various trials and various degrees of victory this is the day that the Lord has made. I, I uh, <laughs> have a metaphor. When, when Jack, my almost nine-year-old, was a little kid, uh, he was hard to deal with during lunchtime, always. And so he would ask for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a peanut butter and honey sandwich. You'd give it to him, and then the first thing he would do is just start crying. And I can't even, I only know this because I've told this story a lot, because that bad memory is gone because it was a struggle. Like the kid would wail because we did something wrong. We didn't put peanut butter on both sides or we didn't cut it the right way or we, or we put the plate the wrong way or the angles were pointing the wrong way. And he would just throw it and be so angry. And we were in a series of a, of a few months where we're like, make your own dang food. Like I'm not touching your food. You do it. And he just would cry at everything. We'd ask him detailed, how do you want your sandwich? We would give it to him just as he asked, set in front of him, and he'd just erupt in crying. Did something wrong. Now, if you know Jack at all, that does not sound like Jack anymore, but that's how he was. That's what I mean. I don't even know that version of Jack, but it was rough. And I just remember in that season, I was like, God, what are you doing? And I just felt like he said, Greg, you're doing that to me. I give you something and you push it out. Like, this is the day. I give you a day and you push it back at me. I don't want it. I, I give you a day and you just shove it back at me. I give you a day. I even did the exact order. I put peanut butter on this side and peanut butter on that just for you. And you shoved it back at me. But this is the day that the Lord has made, so I will rejoice and be glad in it. I fully believe that David got king of Judah and he rejoiced. He didn't even consider the fact that he wasn't king of Israel yet. Like, I don't even think he, his heart was, I will take this day and I will be glad in it. And then the next day, the Lord told him to go to Jerusalem and fight it. And we don't understand this because that just sounds like, okay, I'll go to like Gladstone and I'll fight it. But Jerusalem was like a, a fortified city, tall walls. It was way up on the top. This is a big deal. Many would say, I can't climb that. Like it's a stronghold, Jerusalem is. And David was like, this is the day the Lord has made. 
I will rejoice. I will take my men and we will be glad in it. And he had this mindset over and over and over. Honestly, like rejoicing is a very spiritual thing. It really is. Like rejoicing in the Lord is a very spiritual thing. And I wrote a few things down. Like if you're not experiencing increments of victory, it might be because you have very little rejoice in your day, right? If you're not exper- if you're not visually seeing the victory of the Lord, it might be because you will not claim any rejoice. You will not rejoice. I wrote a few things that like, uh, when I say it, this is the day that the Lord has made. Like I'm not choosing to compare this day with that day. I'm not trying to criticize this day for what it isn't. I'm not going to complain about this day. No, this is the step that the Lord has given. So I will rejoice. This is the family. This is the season. Some of you need to say that this is the job that the Lord has given. And I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. This is the day. This is the house that the Lord has given. Because you are quicker to complain. This is the season that the Lord has given. You're quicker to complain and then you miss out on the victory. It's a spiritual thing. And I just remember like as I was going through this, uh, the stories of chapter 5 and chapter 6 of 2 Samuel. If you want to go ahead and like get ready to open that, we're going to look into this. Because the stories of David are huge. We, we see beginning, he celebrates with his mouth. But then he gets his whole body in on it. And celebration, it, it grows and grows and grows. And honestly, like, I think in our culture, we are quicker to celebrate, like, or be joyful in our heart, but it's never on our faces. Think, like, we are quicker to experience joy as this feeling, but we never let it be an action. Like, we are quicker to allow, like, this joy to be a, a, a designated happy thing instead of it changing our facial expression and changing our decisions. It, joy changes our expressions. We start moving. Like I think of a child, when they get something they have been hoping for, their whole body reacts. There's joy. I just think that we've like contained ourselves and missed out on a whole lot of what victory is. And so I'm excited to dive into this because uh, David goes and he celebrates. And when the spirit moves, he celebrates. And so we're going to look into this um, because there's a snowball of victory. If you want to open up at first to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, we're going to pick up in a minute on verse 6. But as we get in, um, I'm going to tell you two things that celebration does and then a humble piece. I'm going to throw this like a little freebie. All right. Uh, just a little humbling little statement, but this is two things that celebration actually does. And we see this as he grows in the celebration as he grows in this. So the first one, if you write it, want to write it down, it's uh, celebration builds confidence that can be granted to others. Celebration builds confidence. Now the least confident person in the room Many of you probably are like, that's me, All right? Like, not many of us feel very confident. But I bet the same people who say, I don't really feel very confident, you don't really celebrate the Lord often, do you? You don't celebrate him in these things. Because one thing I know 
is some of the most incompetent people in my life. Like, should they be confident? Uh, you know, that, that kind of, you know, the worldly, like, the, the world would label them as incompetent. They stand up and they will sing mightily for the Lord with confidence. It's not ill-placed. It's not confidence in themselves. It's confidence from the Lord. They will go forward and not care if they look like a fool as they share their faith with someone. It's not about confidence in their speech, but it's confidence in the Lord. And this is the kind of thing like celebration begins to build in us this confidence that overcomes a lot of our insecurities. And it's a confidence that can be granted. Uh, David's praise resulted in this. So uh, we're, we're going to open up. Uh, he goes to Jerusalem, and this is what the Lord says. He takes his men. It's a crazy story. It says, the king and his men, David, marched to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who were taunting. They were taunting David. They said, you will not come in here because even the blind and the lame will turn you back, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, which is now, which is now the city of David. And David had said on that day to all of his men, whoever would strike down the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind for those those of whom David hates. And you're like, what? Well, we'll explain it. Therefore, it is said the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And David occupied the stronghold and named it the city of David. Now, this is a big deal. And I'll explain why. So the, the Jebusites, uh, they built this, there's the wall of Jerusalem. The, the, the city was so fortified that there was no way in their mind to breach it, to go up. And so they would, scholars think two different things. They would sit out idols outside of their, uh, their like uh, gates to protect, and really it was to taunt because the idols can't protect. And they would also set out all of the weak, the lame, and the blind out in front to almost taunt anyone on the outside to say, like, you can't even get up to fight our blind people. That's how great we are. Our protectors are blind. And so when David is saying he hates the blind, listen, he does not hate the blind. He is putting on them this taunt of, of this, this, this constant arrogance to say, who are we that we can't do this? The Lord is with us. And so what they do is they go and climb up this water shaft, the whole, all the men. And they, we read it really quickly, they do this huge thing and claim the city as their own, this fortified stronghold. Now, I know that seems like so quick and everything, but I need to make like a clear like separation. This isn't this um, godly confidence isn't worldly confidence. This isn't some movie you're watching where their arrogant leaders like, hey, guys, let's go up there and just destroy this city and these blind people. And just, and it, that, it's not this confidence that intimidates because I need you to realize worldly confidence intimidates people. It does. Worldly confidence is temporary. It's built off of strength. Because we all know the moment that the football player breaks a leg and he put his confidence in his leg, his insecurities are going to raise, right? Because that was temporary confidence in the flesh. 
This confidence that David is having is in the Lord. It's the same one that, that caused him to throw a stone at a giant confidence. And so he goes in and he's not alone in it. His men decide to come with you because I need to, to do this. It's all in where the like credit lies. It's not going to be David's credit for doing this. It's going to be the world's. And so I wrote this down, like, where worldly confidence intimidates, godly confidence inspires. And this is where celebration is so powerful, because the true people who celebrate the Lord are never fighting alone. They aren't. Because for some reason, their celebration begins to be like a wildfire, and other people want to join in, and other people want to be in it. Have you ever met those people? who they come into a room just praising, and all of a sudden, you don't even know why. You're smiling with them. Like, you're already joyful with them. It's because celebration builds this confidence that inspires confidence. I think our church, I think our church is in need of you to be confident. Not so that you can stand and do things, but so that you can begin to realize that you have people needing to be inspired by the Holy Spirit's work in you. You have stories of victory that they need to be inspired by. You have stories of overcoming that they need to be inspired by. And, and that's the beautiful thing is that literal confidence begins to inspire other people to do the same. And uh, this is where the Lord was like, smacked me. I had a really good lunch, uh, a really good coffee date this summer this summer, this week with a guy. And uh, I got to recount some pieces of my past. And I realized that the confidence that I have in where I'm at, in my marriage, is of nothing of my own doing. But it's because I have like constant memories of falling on my head and the Lord picking me up. And as I was talking with, with, with him and, and sharing this, I was like, how dare I not praise you? On the whole drive home, I was just like crying praise. Because it's one of those things where when you actually start talking about the work that the Lord has done, it inspires within you this confidence that then is a ripple effect. Some of you don't care about other people the way that you could if you were confident in the work of the Lord. Like, then you would start seeing that you have something that you can give to people, even if it is just the telling of your own story, even if it is just the sharing of his victory, because they will automatically be brought into it. Just leaders are built by granting confidence to people. Like, I have been built by people granting me confidence. Like, uh, people thrive by the granting of confidence. Strongholds are dem demolished in people when we grant confidence to them. But that's from celebration. And so the next one, if you want to write this down, like not only does celebration bring confidence that inspires others, all that fun thing, um, but celebration also brings conflict that can be confronted. So it brings celebration. Celebration, it brings uh, this, this beauty of confidence that you can gift others. But when we celebrate it actually also brings about conflict that has this beautiful ability to be confronted. And uh, those of you who uh, you may feel one way in the room, any of you like to uh, approach conflict? Anyone? Some of you, there's always the least people in the room love conflict. 
It's so, it's so funny to talk about conflict. Uh, marriages in the room, uh, this is a freebie little, little marriage counseling, okay? Uh, so here you go. Uh, conflict is really powerful. When I say, like, I worded this really intentionally. When I say that it can be confronted, this is a positive thing. Because I don't think you realize this, but there's a lot of things that go on in our relationships. There's a lot of things that go on in our life that should be confronted, but we've never celebrated the Lord in it to where then those fleshly things come out so that they can be confronted. Does this make sense? Like, for instance, do you remember that time when you came home and you, were, you decided into an ungodly home that you would be godly and you would make decisions that were different? And then you had, what, conf- conflict, and it butted up. It's not like that bad attitude just decided to come out against you. It was always there against the Lord. But now because of this conflict, you can have the boldness to confront it. Does this make sense? Celebration will automatically, like, I, it's so powerful. Confrontation is only done well by the Spirit, like, of God. But when I rejoice in Him, people will not like the smell, right? Like, Scripture says that we smell of death to the world. But when we rejoice, when we celebrate in him, it won't make sense to others. And we can start actually confronting those bad beliefs. And this is not like you don't confront as in some of you. It's not, you're, the reason you're afraid of it is because you think it's like you have to fight them. No, you confront the fact that there's a wrong belief. You finally can deal with the fact that like you've put way too much emphasis on their approval. You've, you, can deal, you can confront things when the conflict arises. And that's the beauty of celebration. The Lord actually shifts us. And so, David, if you want to flip and turn uh, David chapter 6 of 2 Samuel, he has this victory where he goes and he claims the Ark of the Covenant. Okay? And he comes back into the city, and this is a huge deal. If you know anything about the Old Testament, wherever the Ark of the Covenant went, God's presence was. It was a big deal. And for a lot of years, the Philistines, the other, the other nations had the Ark of the Covenant. And so David goes in, fights and gets it, claims it, brings it back into Jerusalem. And we see the brother taken off his armor. He puts on this, this linen ephod. It's like the, he puts on the clothing of a priest and starts dancing and screaming and praising in the city. Like he looked like a lunatic, but he's praising because the presence of God very evidently came into the place. And he wanted to respond to the Lord. He wanted to speak to the Lord. Now, this is what happens. Uh, his, his wife, Michael, we can say, but for the sake of time, I can just say Michael. Uh, his wife, Michael, looks down from her window, sees him, and is filled with despise and hatred. And it, I don't, we can say many reasons why, but she feels this way. And so she comes up to David and they have this whole conversation and she tells David, she puts it to morals. Like, David, you got undressed. What are the ladies in our kingdom going to think? You got undressed. You're going to lead people astray. What are you? And he goes, she goes to morale and David responds in this way. This is confrontation. This is the beauty of confronting. David says to Mikhail, it was before the Lord. Like what you're seeing is it's before the girls. It's before the women. 
No, this is before the Lord that I did this. Who chose me in the place of your father and all of his household. He appointed me as prince over Israel the, to the, the people of the Lord. That I have danced before the Lord. And I will make myself yet more contemptible. I will make myself even more vile. I will make myself look even more like a fool than this. And I will be abased in my own eyes. But the maids that you're speaking of, they will, be, they will see me in honor. You're missing out. You see, I danced before the Lord. You think it's crazy, but I danced before the Lord. Now, this is what I need you to realize. Like conflict, they're not going to understand why did you make that decision with your job. Sometimes celebration looks like you quitting your job, you living differently. Sometimes praise looks and leads you to doing awkward things that the Lord will look down on and conflict will arise and you have the ability to confront a few things. Like conflict will stir up more conflict, but we have the ability because of the celebration, like we can confront it and that's actually a good thing. Because the storm, it was there. And I, I say this because uh, their reaction, it provides us with an, an invitation to respond in truth. Like Mikhail's action, it, it allowed David to respond in truth. And this is, this is the beautiful thing about celebration. Celebration will cause a reaction that we can respond to. Now, marriage is in the room. I, uh, I just want to do this aside. All right. Next week, we have a very humbling story of Bathsheba. Anyone know the story of Bathsheba? That's the next chapter right after this, where David sees a pretty lady. Because this is not in the notes, but what we can sometimes see is I'm celebrating God on my own, and people just keep getting mad at me, and they're missing the point, and they, they don't, I'm doing this, and, and there's conflict arising. Conflict doesn't always mean that that person needs to be confronted. Sometimes conflict means that I have something in me that needs to be confronted as well. Meaning this, uh, first like four years of marriage, and this is the freebie, first four years of marriage, I would come home as a youth pastor really late at night, had this really awesome testimony with, with a small group of students and great things were happening. And I came home celebrating and I had a wife who looked at me with despise, and she was not wrong in it. Because the one thing that my life did during those seasons was to celebrate what God was doing outside of the home, but not really be present and show up and, and do anything for the Lord in the home. You see, like conflict allows you to confront some things, and it wasn't Kate that needed to be confronted. It was me. And so what we look at Mikhail and say, she's up there really angry. We don't realize that celebration is not too far from possible compromise. Listen, celebration, some of you need to realize this. When you're praising God and really excited and all things are good, it's not too far from a possible compromise. Because moments before this, Scripture says this in Deuteronomy 17, 17. Hey, I'm going to let you have kings, Juice. I'm going to let you have a king. But they are not allowed to take wives. They're not allowed to take concubines. They're to have one wife. And so David, in celebrating the kingdom, 
He reclaims Jerusalem. And guess what it says? The very last part of chapter five, David took many wives and many concubines. In the midst of the victory, David compromises. And so we can say, Mikhail, you should have, you know, you need to be confronted. But so did David. And what we know is bad things kept growing in David because then he would see another woman on a, on, a, on a rooftop and say, I get what I want. And so I just, as we get into the ending of this, uh, yes, we need to celebrate. But as you celebrate the Lord, notice in some of your marriage that marriages that as you get to know God, there will be conflict. And that doesn't always mean that they are wrong. It might mean that there's something in you that needs to be confronted to. Is this making sense? Are you, you tracking with me? Because when we celebrate God and praise him, we will build confidence. But there's also things that need to be confronted. Constantly, sin will show itself when we praise the Lord. And it needs to be dealt with. And it's not always their fault. And so that was a freebie. I don't, did not, that's not in here at all. But I just really feel uh, as we praise God, there's this constant look at, Lord, what needs to be sh- shifted in me? And so I'm going to pray, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to continue the service. God, I just, in this place, what a strange way to end a sermon. <laughs> Not how I planned. But God, I, I just know for a fact, and I just feel it deep, that there are some people in the room who have not voiced their praise to you in a while. They have not celebrated. They have compared quicker than they've celebrated, and their confidence has been shot because of it. I know for a fact there are people in this room who've complained and criticized more than they've celebrated, and their confidence has been shot because of it. So God, in one accord, with one voice, will you forgive us for that? Father, I pray that I can decide this is the day that the Lord has made, so I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. And let that build in me the confidence to walk forward. That when you say, go take this stronghold down, I will say, yes. That when you say, go deal with this, I will say, okay, and so, God, I also just pray for the, the people in the room who, as they have come to know you, conflict has, aro- has arose. Protect their heart to remind them that it's not because they're hated by you. Protect their heart to know that every opportunity is an opportunity to speak your truth, to share who you are. And in this place, before we even get to next week, with the story of Bathsheba. May I be a man that realizes that in the the midst of celebration, compromise might be right around the corner. And so may I be willing to say no. May I be willing to say yes. May I confront my own self as I celebrate you. We praise you, Father. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.